Awesome. And that journey is bringing us to this psalm this morning. And uh, for several weeks, I, I would even say months, that we have uh, been in a sermon series that we've called The Journey. But we transitioned a few weeks ago as Lent began to a denominational worldwide focus in the Church of the Nazarene that's called Water for the Way. And what we're doing is, is we're joining in uh, on a journey with tens of thousands of other Nazarenes uh, around the globe uh, that are journeying through this season of Lent. Uh, as we journey toward the cross and we journey toward the empty tomb that we will be celebrating on Easter Sunday. And we have learned uh, uh, a lot about Lent in these last few weeks, and uh, it's kind of interesting. I had the opportunity uh, last night to uh, have dinner with uh, Brother Jim Sanders and his wife Sandra, and it was a treat for us to get together and and just be able to spend some time together, and and man, just what an encouragement he has been to me for years and years and years. But uh, he was talking a little bit about what we're doing, and that the denomination has uh, began this this campaign, and I, I don't guess it's a campaign, but this uh, invitation to go through Lent together with all the other Nazarenes around the world. And I told him, I said, it's been kind of a, a, amazing to me that many people have come to me and said, I thought that Lent was just something that Catholics did. And they didn't understand that it's actually a spiritual practice that people go through all around the world as they are uh, approaching our Easter celebration. And he was telling me, he said, you know, I talked about Lent a couple of weeks ago. He's, he's preaching in a little independent uh, church over at Round Mountain. And he said, I mentioned Lent uh, a couple of weeks ago. And he said, I had some people uh, question me about what Lent was. And so... Uh, you know, Lent isn't just a Catholic thing, and we've been talking about uh, what it is and what it means. We've learned that Lent is really a time where we're kind of challenged to confront our sin, to con confront our, our, our failings in our lives and the sin that we have in our lives, and not just that, but uh, also uh, historically places and, and times and areas where, where the church didn't get it right. And I'm not talking about the Nazarene church. I'm talking about the body of Christ where uh, we, didn't, we didn't always get it right and we got sidetracked and sometimes we put too much emphasis on you know, the rules. And I appreciate so much uh, last week, uh, Daniel, our youth pastor, uh, he preached a phenomenal message last Sunday talking about that very thing. Uh, continuing our, our focus on confronting not only our sin, but also our, our failure as followers of Jesus to uh, not include the outcast, to not always include those that are not like us, to not always be, uh, be willing to reach out to the marginalized and, and the oppressed. But, but you know, and so we've been focusing on all these things, but the text this morning, I appreciate so much Heather reading. I may have her come back and read it again because she did such an awesome job, and man, she, she just made me 
uh, excited to hear it again. But the text that we're looking at today kind of feels odd in this season of Lent because after weeks of us confronting our sin and, and kind of, you know, this somber self-evaluation and the evaluation of the, the church and the body of Christ, after weeks of us doing that, today we're looking at a psalm that's just loaded with praise and worship. It's loaded uh, with, you know, exciting, uh, uh, this exciting attitude of praise. And, and so today in this fifth week of Lent that we find ourselves in, we're going to shift gears from the more somber tone that this uh, has taken to now something that's more upbeat and joyful. And, and so despite the the, the, the focus of Lent being on more, more somber topics, the psalmist today is reminding us that it is still important for us to understand who God is and God's faithfulness that we've been singing about this morning in all circumstances and in all situations. It does not matter where you are or where, where you're at right now on this journey. Here's one thing that we know. Our God is faithful. Amen? Amen. He is faithful. He has always been faithful. He is faithful and He will always be faithful because that's who He is and that's what He does. And, and because of that and knowing that, yes, we can confront our sin with honesty because God, uh, uh, because of who He is, and, and knowing that our God is quick to extend mercy, He's quick to extend grace and forgiveness, and He is faithful and He is merciful. And while Lent is, yes, a season of repentance in our lives, we also must remember that repentance isn't just about what we're turning away from, but it's more about who we're turning to. You see, we don't want to put so much emphasis on what we're trying to turn away from that we forget what we're turning to, and we're not turning to anything. We are, we are turning to a God who is faithful and a God who is merciful, a God who loves us. So let's look at this text again. I want to read it again this morning, this entire psalm, and then we're going to break it down to see what this has for us that we can learn during this season of Lent. But let's just look at it one more time. It's one of the most beautiful psalms that I believe that's recorded in Scripture. Uh, matter of fact, um, uh, King David wrote this, and this is one of the last psalms that they can uh, pretty much identify and know for a fact that this is one of the last ones, the last one that he probably wrote. But King David shares this with us in God's Word. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord. How, how does he know? Because the Lord has proven himself to David time and time and time again. Amen? Has God proven himself faithful to you time and time and time again? Huh? He, because that's who he is and that's what he does. And David says, you know, great is our God. He is worthy of our praise. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness, we can't even fathom. David said, as good as God's been to me, uh, as, as, as much as I have seen, as much as I have done, as much as I have gone through. Let me tell you something. I still can't fathom the greatness of God. 
I still can't fathom. No one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. Hello? One generation commends your works to another. They tell of what? Your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. When, when the world wants us to meditate on everything else, the psalmist is reminding us here what we ought to meditate on. David says, I will meditate on you. I will meditate on your wonderful works. I will meditate on your faithfulness. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. I'm going to tell anybody that will listen what God has done for me. I'll tell anybody that listens that will listen that God is faithful, that God is merciful, and that God is a God that forgives and protects. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I'll meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious, and He is compassionate. He is slow to anger, and He is rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all that He has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. Faithful people of God do what? Extol you. They praise you. They worship you. They lift you up. They exalt you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. If I, I've gone back, hadn't I? I got excited up here and I scrolled. Where am I at? What have I read, Parker? I don't know where I stop. We're going to start at the Lord is trustworthy in all that he promises. How about there? The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds. Have I read this already? Y'all help me. I, I don't know if y'all can tell, but I'm, I'm a little scattered today. It's been spring break, okay? Some of y'all know that my wife gets off for spring break. I'm half the man that I was this time last week, all right? <clears throat> She's not even here to tell me what I'm doing wrong. I keep looking over in Philip. Philip, she normally just does this, Philip, just so you know. You can give me that sign and it's all good. I'm going to pick it up at verse 14. I don't know where we're at. The Lord upholds all who fall. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? The Lord upholds all who fall and he lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand. You see that? God opens his hand to us. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, and he is faithful in all that he does. The Lord is near to all who will call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and does what? He saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth, my mouth, he says, will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever and ever. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I believe it's obvious here that the theme of Psalm is what? <laughs> praise. 
Right? It's, a, it's a psalm of praise. It's a word that we see that is used frequently all throughout this passage. And, and some of the words that are translated here in this passage originally, they can also mean worship. They can also mean bless. But here's the deal. They all point to the same idea that we were created to glorify God in the way that we live, in the way that we love, in the way that we journey this life Here on this earth, we are to glorify Him. I actually preached from this same passage of Scripture uh, last summer, last August. uh, We did a a sermon series that we called Sunshine and Psalms. And and something that we learned about this psalm uh, when we looked at it back then was that there was believed to be a special blessing with this passage of Scripture. Do you all remember that? There's a special blessing. The the ancient Israelites believed that if they would take this psalm and they would recite it or sing it uh, out loud two times in the morning and one time in the evening, that there was a special blessing of happiness that was associated this with this that you would uh, receive. And, and, and I'm telling you, after we've read it here twice this morning, can you imagine if we read this uh, psalm twice every morning and once every evening, don't you believe it'd bring a little joy and happiness to your life? I believe there is a blessing of happiness associated with this psalm. I don't think that you can read through it and be a child of God and not be happy about it, not be excited about what David is sharing with us here because you know what? Not only is what David sharing with us what he has been through, but David is sharing with us what every single one of us have experienced in our lives if we're a child of God. We all can say these exact same words that David has said, even though we never killed a giant with a stone. The Lord has taken down some giants in your lives this morning. Amen? He's done it. He is faithful. He is good. He proves himself over and over and over again. And so this morning, we, we take this time during Lent when we, we focused on and confronted our sin and, and our failures and where we may not be getting it right. And, and so this morning, King David, the psalmist, reminds us here, you know what? Even through that, in that, wherever you may be, God is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our praise. And David says, and and if you don't believe me, just let me remind you. Let me tell you why he is worthy of our praise today. He speaks to the fact uh, here that former generations tell current generations of God's faithfulness in the past. Boy, I love nothing more than talking with older people and hearing them begin to talk about how God worked in and through their life. There's just something special about having that heritage, having that faith communicated to the younger generations, friends. And that's what we've been called to do, is to pass this faith and this this hope that we have in God uh, down to our kids and to our grandkids. And, you know, we all probably have some, some family traditions. Hank sang about it. Uh, hopefully your family re- traditions are a little better than his. But uh, we all have some, right? I mean, things that we just do as a family, things that we hand down. Uh, I've got a shipping container filled with heirlooms that have been handed down and you don't know what to do with and you're afraid if you burn it, you'll be cursed or, you know, whatever. Uh, But we all have all this stuff that's such tradition to us, right? 
Uh, every year at Christmas, Lynette uh, makes cinnamon rolls. It's just a tradition in our family. She makes cinnamon rolls. Every year at Easter, our family, we line up the exact same way in every Easter picture that we've ever had made. We've always had it on the front porch of number 10 Castle Pines, right under the porch light with the fern right beside us. Every single year, it's been the exact same. We sold that house. I hope those people don't mind us coming back on Easter to have our picture made. But we have all of these traditions. I mean, we all do. But hey, friends, what about our faith traditions? We've got our family traditions, but what about our faith traditions that we pass on? What faith traditions are we handing down to our kids and our grandkids, right? Did these kids learn to come and sit on the front row from you guys? Did they learn to bring a pen and a pad and take notes during the sermons? Did they learn that from you? Or is that something that, that why are y'all doing this again? Y'all get some kind of treat. Oh, your teacher is teaching you that. Isn't that awesome? And so we come, we bring our kids to church because we know they're going to be taught, right? We know they're going to be instructed. We know that, the, that the, you know, God's faithfulness and His goodness, that's going to be shared with our kids. What about at home? Are they just getting it at church? David's saying we pass this down. What faith traditions are you handing down to your kids and your grandkids? How will they know, how will they ever trust God's goodness and faithfulness in their lives if they don't see it and hear it from their parents and their grandparents? How will they ever know to trust God? How will they ever know that when they come up before a giant that their God can take the giant down regardless of how big it may look? Or how scary it may be. How will they know about God's goodness and His faithfulness and His mercy? And and, uh, friends, it's not just the Bible stories. Anybody can read Bible stories and be amazed by the things that they read in the Bible. But what about the amazing and powerful things that God has done in your life, in your family, in your marriage? Do your kids even know about that? Do they have reason to trust God? Do they have reason to believe that God is faithful and God is good? Have they seen that? Do they know that in the family that they're being raised in uh, today? Have you shared those stories, those faith stories with your kids and your grandkids? If not, can I ask you today, can we start? Can we start just sharing that as parents and grandparents? Our kids ought to see us praise and worship our good God. They ought to see us want to go to worship. They ought to see us excited to go and worship and to sing praises to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords because, friends, He has saved us. What does it mean to be saved? He has saved us from an eternity of death and hell. He has saved us from that, and not just from that, but He has saved us to Himself. And we are in His presence. He is with us and we will forever. David says it over and over here. Forever and ever we will be with Him for all eternity. Do our kids see us excited about this relationship that we have with God? This great God that we tell them that we're going to worship. Do they see us excited about that? Do they know that it's a priority in our family and in our lives? That it is more important to us than anything else in this world is our relationship with God. And we will put Him first. Each and every generation 
will echo the praises from the generation that came before them. I shared with you about uh, spending time with Brother Jim, and I just love to hear him tell stories. And he's old now, and he don't know it, but he tells the same ones over and over and over again. All right, but I just love to hear him. I love to hear him as he talks about how faithful God was and the things that God did while he was here in Greenbrier and what God has continued to do since he's retired. He just thought he was retiring. He's having the time of his life right now, Pastor, in that little church. But friends... Each and every generation must and should echo the praises from the past and pass them on to the next generation. Pass them on to uh, the future. It's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to teach them, teach these younger ones and these newer ones what it means to trust and obey, right? What does it mean to trust God? What does it mean to obey God? What does that mean to us as a family? What does that look like in our home to trust and obey God and to rejoice and to praise Him for His goodness? David doesn't say here, just pass your Bible on to the next generation. He says, tell them of God's goodness. Tell them of God's mighty acts and works. Not only is this a psalm of praise, but it's also a reminder David gives us of the qualities of God. He does the best that he can with the limited vocabulary that he has here uh, to tell us uh, about the qualities of God that he has experienced. Do you know that our God is trustworthy? A few of you know that, right? Do you know that God is trustworthy? Do you know that he is faithful? Friends, that's who he is. All right? That's who he is. That's what he does. God does not fail. God does not fail us. He does not fail. He never fails and he never will fail. David tells us here that our God, he says that he cares for the downtrodden. Our God, our Father, he cares for the oppressed. Our God, our Father, He cares for the depressed. He cares about the outcast. He cares about the hungry. He cares about those who are in need. It's who He is. It's what He does. That's our God. That's our great God. These are the qualities of God. These are, this is the character of God. And let me tell you something. He never acts outside of His character. He never does. He never out acts outside of his character. David reminds us here in, in verse 7 and 17 of this psalm that our God is righteous. And a lot of times when uh, people think righteous, there's sometimes I believe now in the culture that we live in some negative connotations with that. When someone says, well, that person is righteous, we think of more like a self-righteous, I'm better than you kind of deal here. And, and that's, not, that's not what it means here when it talks about the fact that God is righteous. He is righteous because He always does the right thing with the right motive. He always does the right thing with the right motives. And not only is He righteous, but David says, let me tell you something. And I'm going to pass this down, and I'm going to sing it. I'm going to write songs about it. I'm going to write psalms about it. But let me tell you something else about my God. He is near. My God is near. He is with me. He is with us. And because He is near and He is with me, you know what else? He hears me. 
He hears me. He hears us. And he watches over those who love him and those who are faithful to him. All of scripture tells us that he loves and desires to be close to the brokenhearted. He, he desires to be close to the brokenhearted. Anybody here ever had their heart broke before? You sensed his presence. He was there. He is near. He's close to his children that are in need. He's close to his children that are hurting. He cares deeply about his kids. He cares deeply about his family and his children. So much so that he sent Jesus to die on the cross so that you would know that. So that you would know that he loves you. So that, he, that, so that you would know that he wants to save you from yourself. Save you from your past. Save you from your sin. He sent his son Jesus to the cross so that we might experience him. And we might trust him. And we might praise him. The reason that he has done all of this and still continues to do it today is because of this. He simply wants to have us to have intimacy with Him. He wants us to be close to Him. He wants us to be in relationship with Him. It's all that He truly wants is to be in relationship with you. To be in relationship. Friends, the reason for Lent, the reason that we can confess our sin, the reason that we can repent of our sin, the reason that we fast during Lent is because of these qualities of God. And, and you know what? It would be pointless for us to confess. It would be pointless for us to repent to God if God wasn't listening to us. What would be the point of confession and repentance if God didn't hear us, Right? But this psalm today reminds us that God does hear us and that He is near to us and God is close to those who love Him. It would be pointless for us to confess and repent of our sins before God who doesn't follow through on His promises. All right, the Bible is filled with over 8,000 promises in His Word. You know what? It would be absolutely ridiculous and pointless for us to confess our sins and repent to our sins to a God that does not keep His promises. Friends, your God, my God, is a promise keeper. Amen? He keeps His promise. He is faithful. And this psalm testifies that He is faithful. And that he has proved his faithfulness over and over and over again. And friends, can I tell you? He still does today. He still does today. Church, it would be pointless for us to pursue a relationship with him. If he didn't want anything to do with us. It would be pointless for us to try to pursue to be intimate with God. If there was no possible way that we could be intimate. Why would he ask us to be close to him? Why would he want to be close to us? Right? But this psalm repeatedly testifies to the fact that he wants to draw near to us. And he wants us to draw near to him. <clears throat> this psalm also repeatedly testifies to the fact that God is good. I think sometimes we, we, we get uh, God confused with the enemy. That wants to destroy us. That wants to beat us down. That wants us to feel defeated. That wants us to feel like we're burdened. And we've got all this. And we're just Christians. And i got to do this. And i got to go there. Right? That's not of God. Our God is a good God. 
He wants you to be joyful. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to be excited. He wants you to be close to Him. Because close to Him is where the party's at, friends. <laughs> it's not at the keg. It's at the spout of Jesus. What was that? Oh, man, there was a song. Something about the spout where the glory, come, glory spout. Some of y'all old people know it. Don't sing it. Let's move on. This morning... 8.30 service, got up here, didn't have a song leader, didn't have a guitar player, didn't have much of nothing here this morning. And so, you know what we did? We sang some hymns that we all knew, and there were no words on the screen, and it was so cool, and y'all missed it. If I were y'all, though, just a quick commercial, Easter Sunday, I would come to early service, just say it. <laughs> It's going to be just like the 1030 service, but not as crowded. So We needed an intermission here, didn't we? <laughs> I'm tired. Can somebody run the concession stand and get me a soda? <clears throat> I don't even know where I'm at. During Lent, we've been talking about this for several weeks now. A soda. Lauren Wilcox just texted me, a soda? I'll take a Pepsi. Um, during Lent, a lot of people practice some sort of fasting. Some of you may be familiar with fasting. Some of you may not be familiar with fasting. Um, some of you may be fasting right now. Uh, I know several that are. They've given up something just for Lent. Um, something that meant a lot to them. Um, and, and so many people during Lent do that. And, and I, I want to explain what it is. I think sometimes people fast and give up things and they don't really understand why they're doing it. Uh, the, the point of fasting is this. It's just confirmation, not only to us, but in this relationship that we've been talking about with God. That whatever it is that we may give up, whatever it is that we may not have, or we may leave out, that God is still faithful, regardless of that. And what I've learned and what people have shared with me that have practiced this spiritual um, practice of, of fasting is that whatever it is that you fast and you remove from your life, God fills that space. God fills that void with more of his presence. There have been times that I fasted various things. And when I would think about what it was that I had given up, it would cause me to think about what God had given up for me. And they giving up a cup of coffee for a while really isn't that great of a sacrifice compared to the sacrifice that's been made for me. But whatever it is that we may give up would just draw us that much closer to Him because He fills that void in our lives with His presence. He wants to be close to you. 
He wants to be close to you. He wants to be close to your kids. He wants to be close to your grandkids. That's who he is. It's what he's always done. And that's what he'll always do. If we'll make room for him. And give him space. And let him be who he is. And let him do what he does. We won't be able to do anything. But praise him. The way that David does here. David had experienced his goodness. David had experienced his faithfulness. You have to. You have to. Do our lips share that story? Do our songs and the way that we sing to our Savior represent the love and the praise and the gratefulness that we have for Him? Don't miss this. The qualities of God. These characteristics that we see here uh, of God. Not only are they the quality, qualities and characteristics of God, but they are supposed to be demonstrated all throughout the world by the people of God. You see, we read through this list and we go, yeah, that's my God. That's who He is. That's what He does. And then Scripture says, we will look like our Father. We will look like Him. Because He will begin to shape us, mold us, and make us into His image. You see, the plan is, is that the qualities of God that we have seen will be reflected to a world. So that others, no, not that they would see us, but that they would see Him. And they would be drawn to Him. And they would come to know that He is a God that can be trusted. He is a God that is able and when we reflect these qualities, when we live out the characteristics of God to this world, when we live out these qualities and characteristics at school, when you go back to school tomorrow, when we live out these, these qualities and characteristics of God in the workplace and in the community, we are simply just reflecting our Father to this world. The children of God will take on the character of their Father and they will look like Him, they will walk like Him, and they will live like Him. We'll be faithful because He's been faithful to us. We'll draw near to the brokenhearted because He drew near to us when we were brokenhearted. We'll be available to listen to those that need an ear to listen because our God was faithful to listen to us. We'll see needs around us. And not only see those needs, but we will meet those needs. Because that's who God has been to us. He saw our need. He met our need. And He was faithful. And we've been called to live with these same characteristics. And these same qualities. You see, confession, repentance... And fasting, they're all just ways. They're all just things that draw us closer to God in order that we would be formed more like Jesus. And so in closing this morning, Psalm 145 is just a reminder 
that there is sincere praise and worship even in the time of somber, reflective, and repentant seasons of our life. God is faithful. He is faithful. Can I tell you something else? He's faithful even when we aren't. He's faithful even when we aren't. God hears us when we cry out to Him. God draws near to us in our times of great need. Our God sees us right where we are. He is good and He is faithful. So friends, we shouldn't say that God is great if we're not living our lives and worshiping Him like He really is. Amen? We shouldn't talk about an awesome God and a great God if we're not living and worshiping Him like He really is an awesome God and a great God. So we take time during this season of Lent to be reminded of who God is and who you and I are being called to be. And just know that these acts of repentance and fasting and spiritual practices that we've been talking about are not in vain. And instead, they help to form us into who God wants us to be as His children. And so we celebrate, friends. We sing praises. We're upbeat. We can be excited. We can have fun. Because we don't have to mourn like those who have no hope. We don't mourn like those who have no hope. But instead, we do have hope. Amen? We have a hope. And we've been called to live in that hope as the children of God who serve our Father out of wonder and out of love. This last verse here in this psalm. David's like, I got to go. I got to wrap this up. It's time for lunch. But let me just say it one more time. Praise Him. Praise Him. He says, let every creature praise His holy name forever and ever. David's saying, I- I've said all I know to say. I've-, I've put it all right here. This is who I know. This is what I know about Him. Here's who He's been to me. Here's what He's done in my life. He's saying, all that's left now, praise God with everything that you have. Praise Him with your life. Praise Him uh, the way that you live. Praise Him the way that you walk. Praise Him the way that you talk. He just says, praise Him with everything that you have. Praise Him whether you feel like it or not, because He is worthy of our praise. So church, King David says, let every creature praise His holy name forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this awesome reminder today of who you are. Who you've always been. And who you've been to me. And who you're going to be to these young people that are sitting up here on this front row this morning. You are faithful. And you are good. And you've proven it time and time and time again in my life. I've seen you prove it time and time and time again in other people's lives, in other people's situations. You are always faithful.
You are always faithful. What is our problem that we can't live in that? That we can't walk in that and knowing that to be the truth. You've proved it over and over. God, forgive us and help us to walk in faith. To walk in that goodness. To walk in that assurance of knowing who you are and who you've always been and who you're going to be tomorrow when, when we go into this world. You are not going to fail. Thank you for this reminder. I, I know that you have ministered to someone's heart here today through your word. And I thank you for that. I, I don't know how you can use the ramblings that I've stood up here and done today. But God, I know that you can. And so I thank you for what you've done here today. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you're going to do tomorrow and in the days ahead. I look forward to seeing you be faithful. I look forward to seeing you be good and merciful and just. I love you so much. But God, we've got some people in our church that are struggling in big ways. And you know every situation. There's family situations, there's parent-child situations, there's just, there's a lot going on right now, and people are hurting, and today I just pray that they would be encouraged by knowing and being reminded about who you are, and who you are to them, and who you are in their situation that they're going through right now. God, I, pr I pray for Richard, and uh, I thank you for the visit that you got to have with him yesterday, it was just a blessing to me, and He's always been a blessing to me in this church and this community. And I'm grateful and thankful for him and his family. I love him so much. And it hurts my heart to see people I love hurt. And it seems like everywhere I turn, the people of God, people of faith are hurting. But you're faithful. We see you at work. We see you. We see you in the pain. And we trust you. Our hope is in you and you alone. And so I pray that you'd be with Deborah and the family. I pray that you continue to be with Randy as he continues to face treatments and fight his cancer. God be with June as she prepares for what's ahead of her, God, and I just pray that you would touch her and be with her family and hold them close and so many others. I, I can't even remember them all that are hurting in physical ways in our church and just minister to them like only you can today. Thank you for this. Uh, thank you for this message of hope. Our hope is truly in you, in you alone. And we love you so much. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning as we close with a benediction as the family of God this morning? Lord, let us go out into the world in peace and dedicated to your service. Let us hold tightly to that which is good, supporting the weak, helping the needy, and honoring all people. May the strength of God sustain us, 
May the power of God preserve us. May the hands of God protect us. May the way of God direct us. May the love of God go with us this day and forever. Amen. God bless you.